0: All right, Pastor With No Answers listeners, we have a Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com slash pod, or you can just go through Pastor With No Answers. Already have a community of some folks on there, and we're going to have some fun with this opportunity to get the discussions in the rawest form before anyone else, the discussions we have on Pastor With No Answers, uh, all the way to... To possibly being on the podcast, just different levels of joining and supporting along the way, we'll have some live chats and do some other cool stuff we, we can we can have like a little small clip going on, so yeah, like so if you like this podcast, support it for as low as a dollar a month and have some fun at the same time. Okay, hope you enjoy this episode. All right, well. Welcome to Pastor With No Answers. We are bringing kind of a a friend of the podcast. You know, we we love the regulars. It's kind of fun for me, honestly, because they're favorite people in my life. And to bring them on and I'll, it's going to sound cheesy, but to like share them with you all kind of puts a smile on my face. Well, a lot of talk of the town and bad Christian pastor with no answers world has been the interview that we did with uh, Jen Smith, as well as the possibility of doing more talks like this with people that were part of churches and, and maybe even like a Mars Hill project in which we will gather a lot of people. We're not sure exactly what we're going to do, but here's some irony. So I'm 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 sitting here with Chip Judd. You've heard him on some previous episodes, if you're a longtime listener. And <coughs> Chip's a, a fun guy to talk to, and I've known him for a while now, and he's helped me through a lot. But here's what's funny, is Chip and I have known each other long enough to where when I was just... On the Driscoll train, full on this dude is just unbelievable. chip was like yeah I- I'm-, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, chip, but it was more of a <laughs> i don't like the guy, and uh before I move any further uh, into this conversation, what i 'm not saying is, oh, I can't stand that guy now, you know blah 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 no I, I love the guy, I appreciate the stuff that he has done, but I do think that there are people like Chip and then there's some friends of mine that you know weren't attending Mars Hill that could kind of for some reason or another see some of the stuff early on that folks like me and millions literally millions of other people including a lot of smart people couldn't see from afar. Now, I think what we've seen with these stories is a lot of people that were on the inside, these aren't dummies. They saw stuff, but they just didn't know what to do with it, you know, because you always want to kind of give a a measure of grace and you always know you're not working with perfect people and that sort of thing. But, um, Ch- Chip, real quick with your experience, I mean, people actually hire you to go to churches and kind of see the health of the staff and, You've, you've sat with countless number of pastors that had to admit to their wives that they were having an affair. I mean, you work with pastors a lot. If you mm-hmm. had to guess, so th- this, this is on the forefront here, this Driscoll situation. It happened in public. People know about it. But how many pastors of churches behind the scenes do you think are doing the same sorts of stuff Driscoll did and just nobody knows about it?
1: Um, I would probably answer you this way, Joey. That that if you if you leave room for differences in degree, yeah. intensity, uh, the, the the damage that's in the wake behind the boat, I would say um, it's extremely prevalent. Um, and what I mean by that is it's extremely prevalent that. We, we as like, like, let's just say I'm the senior leader of a, of a big, big ministry of whatever kind yeah. I, I have issues. I have issues that I haven't worked through. I have, you know, ways that I've learned to get my needs met and I'm at the same place you are. Right. I'm a, I'm i I'm an unfinished product. Well, the problem is, uh, the, the, the cost of that is I, I lead in such a way that my pain oozes out onto everybody else. Yeah. And uh, here's my deal, man. No matter where we go, what we talk about, my issue isn't that leaders have issues. Yeah, yeah. My issue is that leaders don't call each other to account, and make it common, normal, natural that we it, it's okay to ask for help. Well,
0: Senior senior, Bad Christian, you are speaking our language, man. We, we, we're we going to have to put you on the elder board of the Bad Christian Podcast Network. <laughs> That's what we're trying. Hey, we're trying to tell people this, but we're too young for people to listen. The old dude has to say
1: this to, for people to Yo! listen? <laughs> who, who, what old dude are you talking about?
0: The guy behind you. you, I'm, sorry. you I'm sorry. You young
1: whippersnapper. <laughs> no,
0: seriously. that. I mean, what you said is so true. Who are we to say that someone like Driscoll shouldn't have any issues? The the, yeah. the problem is that we're not allowed to say anything about it without being labeled divisive. Like, uh, Joey Svensson is a divisive person right now for having an episode with my friend Chip Judd to talk about a guy that I actually love. I'm divisive. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. Uh, so here's here 's something that i 've definitely been thinking about, so uh, a guy that is able to open up his living room, open up the Bible, persuade people to buy into his or her model of church, and within three years or five years, however, be sitting in a multi million dollar facilities with tens of thousands of people attending do all of these guys ha- have some common ground personality wise that they're able to pull that off and the second question to that is is that common ground also lends its, lends itself to a propensity to to fall into the same traps that Driscoll fell into with abrasive leadership you know belittling forging on not really caring about people does does that line of questioning make sense to you
1: yeah it does and and you know we can go there later if you want to but but i would have other issues that i would draw attention to yeah cuz cuz i would say most of what you just drew attention to was was what i call the behind the curtain behavior of how his leadership and staff function right um, I was appalled by his public behavior.
0: Yeah, and I um, loved it. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you know, you're just a carnal Christian. That's all. You, you clearly don't know Jesus. But uh, yeah, because you,
0: you used to tell me that you just can't listen to someone that doesn't isn't isn't portraying the gospel and teachings how Jesus would. Well, and, I mean,
1: to me, there, this is so simple. It's just almost ignorant very simple test very simple filter glasses whatever you want to call it to 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 look at things through i watch someone in what they say how they say it how they carry themselves how they project themselves how they promote themselves anything and here's my simple question can i picture jesus saying what you're saying the way you're saying it can i picture jesus treating people the way you treat people so and and if my, if my answer is no, then we 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 got a little bit of a problem we're going to have to figure out.
0: But don't don't you think you're not taking enough account into the fact that Jesus was also fully human with a certain personality and other people have different personalities for one. So you know, there's people that that carry themselves around differently. So so let's take let's take a Christian dude who is very feminine and maybe is even heckled for that. You right. could, you couldn't get away with saying, "Hey, you need to teach more like Jesus. You're just you need to be more masculine." Because I I I would say you could make a pretty decent case for Jesus being somewhat masculine with with how he carried himself. And then my and then the second part of that is someone like Driscoll, wouldn't you say that his abrasive style of teaching was represented by Jesus turning tables and saying brood of vipers and those sorts of things?
1: Okay. So let's say that, you know, let's say we counted all the sermons of Jesus. Yeah. And let's just say for, (laughs) for, for easiness, there were a hundred. And so two of them, he portrayed that kind of emotion. Right. Uh, Okay. So if twice a year, you're an you're an angry you know what, um, <laughs> then okay you're acting like Jesus. But if virtually every time you speak, you're angry and critical and venomous, but that's and- not that, that's
0: not Driscoll though. I mean i i I don't think. I think the percentages would probably be a little bit higher with anger and all that stuff, but I, I mean... It a little higher than what? A little higher than Jesus. <laughs> 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 but what, what about with different personalities? I mean, do, would would you say that Jesus definitely had a human personality that... Of that course. ...that was specific to his humanness?
1: Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it was, you know, uh, approachable uh, and yet assertive, yeah. uh, you know, acknowledging the difference between assertive and aggressive, you know, we can dance around it all. we want. Let's go back to your original question. Yeah. Your original question was, does the system, the way it's set up, you know, pre, pre, uh, you know, cr- create an environment in which these things are likely to happen. Yeah. And the, and the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Now, now I don't mean that like it's anybody's fault. The, um, it's just the nature of of the beast so um a general comment so i don't forget to say it you know the whole idea of the way you set it up you know you start in a home you got people coming and then in just a few short years you got thousands of people in a multi-million dollar facility yeah here's the deal that would be what i would consider the, the clear evidence of a gift uh or the presence of multiple gifts yeah um uh, and, you know, you can label them different ways depending on what camp you come from, you know, the apostolic, the pastoral, all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is there's there's a gift at work there. Um, again, I've been at this a pretty good little while, and the one thing I've learned is gifts and character are not directly or proportionately connected. Um, what's wrong with a lot of things in the body of Christ is we celebrate giftedness and we wink at or turn a blind eye to character. Yeah. And uh, and by character, I don't mean you lie, you cheat, whatever. I just mean, you know, you call it call it the fruit of the spirit and the power of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. We 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 celebrate and put guys up at the conferences and give them a microphone and a platform and buy their books based on their gifting when we have no way to determine. Do they have the fruit of the spirit in their life? Dang. And 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 the problem with situations like this one and others is it would appear we can't trust the system to give us a, a valid read on people. In other words, it would be great if we could we could go we could think like this. You know, this guy clearly is being used by God. He's clearly being and whoever it is, and he's clearly got a, a gifting that that generates belief in the vision and commitment and, you know, all that. And then it'd be cool if we had a reason to believe that there's people around this person that are invited regularly to speak truth into their life and say, dude, love you, totally on board with you, but the way you just talk to your wife is not good. And I don't have anybody in mind when I say this. I'm just saying in principle So if we if we if we believed, like like with the the police right now, if the police police the police, we could trust the police. But if the police protect the police, then we can't trust the police to police the police. Right. And the same thing with leaders. If if leaders are going to hide behind, well you don't understand the pressures of my role. You don't understand the pressures of the of where I am in my career. You, you know, you just you just you just don't operate at the level of revelation and responsibility that I do. All this stuff and it's just like yeah, 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 yeah. The bottom line is are there some people around you that have been invited and empowered to just do the same thing you think everybody else needs, which is be able to speak in their life. You know, the whole idea, you know, you need to submit to your authority. My deal is this. I will submit to any authority to the same degree they are submitted to authority. Yeah. Oh, well, I submit to God. Well, I'm, I guess I'll do the same thing. <laughs> All right. Here's so- the deal. If you don't, if I don't have, if there's not a discernible tangible, visible expression that shows up in your messages, that shows up in the, in the very atmosphere around you of humility and brokenness. If there's not every once in a while, you telling a story of how, you know, a week or so ago, I was all proud of myself. And one of my elder friends sat me down and said, dude, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you know what? He was right. If I don't ever hear that kind of stuff, or when I do, it sounds very manipulative and whatever. you know, I'm going to I'm going to love you from a distance. I'm going to respect the gift and calling that's on your life, but I'm not going to put myself under your authority or ministry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so is it you know, uh with the Jen Smith interview? Uh, yeah, I've I've done a couple more. And so some some of the stuff blends together. And I appreciate their approach very much. So it, it you know, obviously, there's some hurt there. But you you don't you don't sense that they're swinging their fist and no, you know, trying to no, trying no. to hurt someone. But is it and, and if you're uncomfortable answering this question, I'm totally fine with that. Is it fair? Is it a fair assessment for for me? So not for us in general? But is a fair assessment for Joey Svenson to say, you know what? Given the fruit that we're seeing and what's taken place in the last three years, and what's not taken place, I don't think Driscoll has repented. And the reason why I think that's a very important—well, t- let me stop there. Is that is that fair to to word it that way?
1: I mean, here's the deal: I, I'm 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 not in the position to judge. I'm going to be careful how you hear me because I'm not yeah. dodging. I, I, the issue I don't I don't I don't have any desire to judge anybody. Um, but what I do have a desire is to lead whoever I have the privilege of leading, whether it's directly or indirectly. So, am I going to say whether I think or, he has or hasn't repented? No, I, I, you know what? That's just too 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 squishy of a concept. Now, if you said. Would you, would you recommend I go to his ministry? I would say no, absolutely not. Right. Well, Why? Because I don't see any reason to believe he's any safer than he was before.
0: Yeah, and especially, and the reason why I'm comfortable with saying this is, first of all, I'm fine with saying I could be absolutely wrong, but
1: we're— Pro- Probably are.
0: <laughs> we're actually talking to real people that were real friends, that were yeah. real close— that are real hurt and really miss their friendship with him. I mean, th- this is, this is on, on the same level of like you and pastor Greg, for instance, imagine something, All right, Joey,
1: happened. Joey, 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 let me interrupt you. Yeah. Did I listen to the same interview you did?
0: Oh, no, I, I'm talking about, I'm talking about like people in general, this girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause, cause for, cause I heard nothing on there that indicated they were real friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah her uh her husband which is part of my issue quite right. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um yeah, so a, a lot of these people had uh friendship. So one of the interviews that you haven't heard yet, this is a, a girl that was basically best friends with his wife. I mean, there is like, right. there is right. there's a relationship there. And so these people that worked super closely to him, they've been reaching out. And they're not getting any sort of response to me that that just and again, I could be wrong. That just doesn't look like true repentance. It seems like true repentance would say, you know what, I got to answer that phone or I've got to tell that person, hey, let's set up another time to talk because this is something that I need to try to figure out. Like reconciliation is an important thing.
1: Yeah, but Joey, here's the deal. Why do you feel the need to determine whether he's truly repentant? It, it? no, uh,
0: I to, for me, I think that if he has truly repented, then why why wouldn't we applaud his church just like we do Elevation Church or Saddleback Church or CrossPoint Church? Why wouldn't we say, "Hey, he's repented. He's he's got a gift. Let's don't let right. that stuff happen again."
1: All right, I think it was Spurgeon that said, "A man in the pulpit who sins" Should not be returned to the pulpit until his repentance is as famous as his sin. Oh snap! Yeah. So, my deal is, Joey. I don't. It's not my job to decide whether he's repented. I'm just going to ignore him. He's a he's a he's a non-issue. Right. He's he's a voice that at this point in time, and you know, unfortunately, it never really was a voice I cared that much about. But he's a voice that. I, I I don't, you know, the only reason I'm talking about it is is to help people who were hurt and people who will continue to be hurt until they understand the inner workings of why this stuff happens. Right. As far as whether he's repented, that's between him and God. Would I go to his church? No. Would I go to him for counseling? No. Would I buy his books? No. Would I, you know, and that's just because I don't, He's not a water fountain I want to drink from.
0: Would you warn someone not to drink his Kool-Aid?
1: Depends on who it was. Yeah. How young and fragile they were in their faith. And yeah. Uh, you know, does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. If someone, if all right, so you know my fictional scenarios, I love throwing these out. So if someone said, "Hey, um, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but Driscoll is going to be in Charleston, and uh, I'm a buddy of his." And I told him it would be probably pretty helpful to meet with Chip. He helps a lot of pastors, blah blah blah. you want to have lunch? He says yes, uh you agree to it or or would you agree to it, and if so, would you try what, I mean would you just seriously have a hangout, ask him how was the Seattle life and now how are things in Phoenix? How's your family, or would you try to get at a deeper level with him in regards to any of this stuff?
1: I mean, first of all, I'd say, uh, have him call me. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then I would say what, you know, what's, what, what, what's the purpose. And if the purpose was to hang out, I would say, don't really have any desire to hang out. If the purpose was my head's jacked up and I need some help sorting it out, I'd say, Hey, I'll, I'll do it as long as you need for free. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Fair enough.
1: But, 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 no. Do I wanna hang out and talk about what's going on? Not a bit. Yeah. Not a bit.
0: Gotcha. All right, so let's let's talk Jen Smith. You listened to the interview with her and let's take her as just representing many other people that were uh in in similar position. You know, she's married to someone who's an elder, lots of elders, right. lots of people leading ministry, worship leaders and right. all that. What would you say to someone in a position of, and I hate using this word, but inferiority to a pastor? Um, So there's got to be a place of of following. And like you said, you've pretty much made your opinion stated that you you would follow someone as much as they're following other human beings or submitting. Uh, Yeah. But what are some warning signs and or things that someone can do in her position to to keep themselves from going down a long road. That's going to be in leading to more pain. So it seems like these people were saying, man, it, it can't be all bad. You know, there, I see some things behind the scene, but I also see a lot of good stuff. What would you have done differently?
1: Well, I mean, you, you make my brain go several directions here. Here's a, here's a paraphrase of a scripture. When a pupil or student disciples fully trained he'll be like his teacher so when i look at a leader and decide whether i want to follow them feed on their thought processes or whatever yeah my question is not do i agree with what they're saying my question is do i want to become like they are do i want to be like that person and so i look at somebody not their content not their whatever and i say does he look like a guy that you know wow i'd really like to be like him and and that would that would filter out what 20 30 40% of the problem because the deal is you teach what you know you reproduce what you are and uh, i mean my issues my issues are are just different joey than some people's um, uh, just the the whole sense of competition the whole sense of Man, our church is blowing up. You know, whatever and whatever. I'm just like, what? What part of us do we think that feeds? Right. And so here's an important issue to me. Take the word need. N e e d. The word need. The number one thing that gets us in trouble is inappropriate ways to get appropriate needs met. So I'm going, to, I'm going to say it a couple of different ways to, 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 to whatever. So I need approval. I need encouragement. I need love. I need a sense of significance. I need to feel like I, I'm, I matter. I need to feel like I'm doing something that matters. So I come out of childhood and early, early adolescent adulthood, whatever, and I've never really learned how to ha- get those needs met in healthy ways. I I, got, I get my self-worth by the group of p- friends that I have. I, I get my sense of value and importance by how well I do certain things. I I feel uh, significant when I walk down the hall and people are like, oh, there's Chip Judd, man. Well, guess what? I'm just an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> and here's the important thought. That's nobody else's fault. Yeah. That's nobody else's fault. So – I think what happens in most church settings is what we call ministry is often what I call mutual manipulation. I'm using you to meet my need by you using me to meet your need. And I need bodies in the seats, money. I need a church that grows because I need people to think I'm wonderful. Because you know what? I am. And you need to have a sense of value because you're associated with somebody as wonderful as I am. <laughs> and you get collateral, peripheral, tangential value by, by, by saying and demonstrating your closeness to the center of the miracle. And here's the deal, we don't do anything twice if it doesn't meet a need that we have. So if I'm drawn to an unhealthy leader And I come back and I stay, and I love that Jen went into all this stuff. I was, sounds like a wonderful lady, and it'd be a thrill to meet her and hang out with her a minute, and her husband. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) just make that clear. Um, But the reality of it is, these are great opportunities to say, God, what need was being met that made me ignore so many red flags,
0: Yep, I think that's, yeah, uh, and I agree how she handled herself. Uh, I, I love the fact that she wasn't on there to basically say, here's where he's in the wrong, here's right. where I'm in the right, you right. Know, clear picture sort of thing. What do you think as capital, capital CM, and that'll be church mega, so basically the mega, <laughs> ch- the mega churches around the world, what can we all do from the casual i don't want to say casual attender let's say from the from the person that's serving a little bit out in the parking lot or serving in depth as far as investing hours in children's ministry you know all the way to the person that's on staff? what can we all collectively do to stop this sort of thing from happening exactly what you described you know, as a very unhealthy culture that not necessarily all pastors have bought into, but it's definitely, it's obviously more prevalent than I think we give it credit for. So what can we do as Christians who want to be a part of a church?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, we got to remember, Joey, that it, it isn't necessarily our responsibility to fix the church. It is our responsibility to manage the little piece of life that we've been given, whether it's You know, you and I happen to be men, whether we're women or whatever, but, you know, we're shepherds of whatever little piece of reality God's made us stewards over. So that I need to, you know, I need to make judgments and assessments and, well, you know, I've been under this ministry for this long and I've seen these kinds of things and, you know, I just don't know that it's the best environment for me, my kids, whatever. So yes, we're, we're supposed to make those kinds of discernments and judgments but I would I, it would be catastrophic if people started to think it's my responsibility to put a stop to this. Now, what I mean by that is if, if you believe the church you're operating in is unhealthy, then go through the proper channels. And if you are turned into, you know, you know, there isn't a problem here. So because you say there's a problem, you're, you are the problem. Yeah. If, if if it gets all turned around like that, which is classic dysfunctional family behavior, then I would say just quietly leave. Yeah. I mean, in other words, don't. I like to live by assignment. I see lots of things that are broken. That doesn't mean it's my assignment to fix them. And um, so, you know, you got that whole piece to it now. I get the privilege of being in this wonderful setting here with Greg and Josh and the you know Greg's position with Arc and I get to be around leaders and for the most part they're really good guys and but here's the thing that I never forget because it's always in front of me they're good guys they love God they love people yeah but they they got their own stuff yeah and, and a minute ago I said The thing we got to learn to think is need. What need is getting met, and what's unhealthy about the way I'm doing it, and what's a healthier way to get the need met? Well, here's the thing. That same thing applies to leaders. The same. In other words, the reason we have this problem is, I would say it this way: the, the church is full of orphans being led by orphans. And and what I mean by an orphan is someone who's who's never learned how to just. Rest, receive and rest in the love, care, and direction of somebody bigger than they are. Yeah, yeah. And so when you have that kind of an environment, you're going to get um, just a lot of energy that's not flowing in the right tempo, pace, proximity. Um, I'm going to be, you know, it's a common thing among pastors of large churches that they love crowds and don't like people. <laughs> and and i don't mean that literally they don't like people but they're comfortable up there in front of the crowd they're not comfortable in a group of three or four yeah yeah because they don't feel in control yep now control is not you know they're just power freaks control is usually rooted in a lack of trust trust is usually rooted in fear so in other words i have the same compassion for Mark Driscoll, or anybody again, remember my issue is not that they have issues, right. My issue is that they want to pretend they don't or treat their issues differently than anybody else's
0: yep, yep, all right, well, given both of our connection and involvement at seacoast church, and i i don't mind saying this, given that uh, I'm, I, I like the church that I work at. We both know that our church is not perfect, but what are, what are we doing that I'm sure a lot of other churches are doing as well that at least, at the very least, protects us from this sort of thing? Like, I don't think there's anybody on staff that looks at Josh Surratt or his father who started the church and is just like, man, that's just, that's dangerous, man. Who knows what's going on behind the
1: scenes? You know, Joey, the biggest thing to me, that, like like if, again, now in a church of a couple of thousand or bigger, it's hard for the, the general person attending to do this. But whatever, I'll throw it out there and you just got to think of an application that's appropriate. When I go into a church, a church calls me and says, hey, we'd love for you to come in and, uh, you know, we, we're stuck in a couple of areas and we could use some help. I don't know them, never met them. So when I go into the church, you've heard me say this before, what do you think's the first thing I'm looking for? If I really want to figure out the dynamics of the relational integrity of the ministry, what's the first thing I want to look at?
0: As far as the dynamics?
1: Well, the, the, what drives the dynamics?
0: Uh, I, th- I think the marriage, right?
1: Right, the marriage. And here's the deal. You, your inner... Reality creates shapes and defines your outer reality. So when I get around you and your wife, um, it's obvious to me how jacked up you are. Because Priscilla's wonderful, but she has to spend so much energy getting over you. And no, I'm kidding. Uh, the bottom line is just the opposite. When I get around Priscilla, I get the sense of a woman who feels loved, cared for, a priority. The word I've found resonates with a woman is she feels cherished. So what does that tell me? Joey lives his life in such a way that he honors the second most important gift God ever gave him. And it wasn't his calling to ministry. It wasn't his gifts. It was his wife. Of course, the first gift being from God being himself. So I get around and I'm like, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy loves his wife, man. And he appears to nourish the relationship. And here's the thing: nourishing the relationship we, requires pace and rhythm, and priority. And you know, some people say, "Well, man, I, I, I just got to figure out how to live at a healthier pace." And I remember recently, I was with a young couple, young leader, big church, and he's like, "I just, I just don't know how to figure out a healthier pace." Yeah. And it was—they were sitting there as a couple, and all I did was point at his wife, and I said, "Dude." You got a governor on your engine. Yeah. You, your pace is whatever level of commitment and enthusiasm you can live at and still have a healthy marriage. Yep. Now, now let me, let me go a little bit further. So then the second thing is I want to get around your, your top level lead team. Yeah. And I want to get in the room with them and I want you to give me the freedom to poke and probe and ask some questions. And if if I get the sense, every time I ask a question, everybody looks at the leader. And I say, I say hey, Brother Doodad, I'm thinking about blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And he looks over at the leader. And then he answers my question, and he looks over at the leader. And it, it sounded kind of vanilla. And I'm like, dude, really? I, I kind of got the impression that you might feel differently. And his head just kind of drops. And he's kind of like, you can feel him saying to me, dude, shut up, man. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> and so when I get in that kind of environment, so after the meeting, I'll, I'll meet with the pastor. And this happens a lot, by the way. So if any of my pastor friends hear this, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking in general. Exactly. We know that. But um, afterwards, the guy's like, yeah, you know, what do you think? How's our team dynamic? And I say, well, I'm a little concerned that your guy's don't feel safe enough to say what they're thinking. Oh yeah, they do. Oh, they do. I said, do you want to go back in there for a minute? <laughs> uh, 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 and occasionally they'll say, yeah, let's go. So I go back in there and I'll just, I, I before we do it, I'll say, are you sure now? Are you sure? Yeah. I, I really think my guys, they know that they know they're safe and I'll go back in there. And because I've watched, I know exactly who to ask and what to ask. And I'll ask a question, and the whole room will just, like, crackle with this tangible fear. And I'll say, hmm, what am I feeling right now, guys? And slowly but surely, the, the word will come out. Uh, well, we're, we're just kind of afraid. And the leader will just fall off his chair, like, you're kidding me. No. Gosh. Well, the no. Mo- no. Let me ramble about that for a second. Here's yeah. the deal. Think about what we teach. Think about what the Bible teaches. We got this weird sort of dynamic. I, You're the pastor, Joey. I love you. I love your vision. I love your gifts. Oh, man, Joey, I love you, dude. And so we go into a, a room and you, you ask a question. Hey, I'm thinking of preaching this series. You know, what do you all think? And we all just kind of sit there and look at each other. And you're like, hey, I want to hear some of your ideas. And we sit there just a little bit longer. And then you can't stand the silence. So you tell us what you're thinking. Well, guess what? I'm committed to you and your vision. Yeah. Once you tell me what you're thinking, I got nothing to say. Yeah. And so some of it is not intentional. Some of it is some of it is on the on the on the followers' side, right like I've been to a church, a dear friend of mine, and he virtually begs them, I know I'm a big personality I know I have a big voice, I know I have a big vision I know it, but guys, I need you to stand up to me yeah and they're just so there's a point where it's like it's not all on them yeah. Now, if you stand up to him, and the next day you got somebody in your office giving you a pink slip, yeah, you got a problem.
0: <laughs> All right, well this this has been good. I appreciate you reflecting on this, and uh, you know, for I guess the moral of the story for you, any pastors that's listening, is uh, invite Chip to your church, or <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs>